It's summertime! Are you beating the heat? We're here with you wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run or... Maybe you're in traffic, maybe you're commuting. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week. Linode, Squarespace, Squarespace, and Skillshare. They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada. that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who barely made it back. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. <laughs> Hello. I wanted to give a shout out to our geeks sitting on their seats who might be listening to this while eating dinner or lunch or eating a snack. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Geeks who eats. Oh, geeks who <laughs> eats. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it anyhow, anyhow we can get it. Anyway, uh, people want to listen. We're going to be with them. Uh, Christian, you are remote this week. I am remote. I am out. Uh, you're, you're usually sort of emotionally remote, but now you're actually physically remote. Yeah. And emotionally super connected, oddly enough. Um, <laughs> I am in I am in Jackson Hole, Wyoming right now, enjoying the country air and the internet podcasting. So it's pretty perfect. Awesome. Uh, and we got some fun stuff to talk about. There's some cool games. It's it's summer. You know, it's the usual lull time, but we got a, a cool backlog of games and we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for Directing Lights and Camera because we have the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane as well as the video game themed episode of Black Mirror that's called Playtest and the upcoming Amazon series, The Boys. You may also remember him in a previous life from a certain podcast. Mr. Dan Trachtenberg is back with us. Hey, Dan. Hey, man. Hey, Christian. How's it going? <laughs> hey, that was a, what a great intro. Jeff really built you up, and then uh, you're just here. You're just, a, you're just a dude. You're just a man, man. Just a guy. I'm just He's here, like, guys. I'm just, just like here. Us. Just like us. Uh, I'm so excited, Dan. I'm so glad you're, you're here. You have been uh, recommending games to me in, in person, and we're going to actually talk about them on the show. It's going to be fun. Mm, indeed. Uh, and we got, some, uh, we got some stories to talk about this week, even though the stories, you know, the summer is not always jam-packed with news, but that's not going to stop us from starting the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, or by sending us an email, dlcfeedback at gmail.com, is where you send questions, comments, story suggestions, anything you like. We love to hear from you. Dan, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your Story of the Week? Probably this Xbox next gen Scarlet thing, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of we kind of heard some rumblings about this a while back, but now there is some more hard Wait. reporting on what it what it ends up what it may end up being. Uh, this is from uh, Brad Sams on Therat, and Therat is a tech website 
uh, Paul Thrott's uh, website, I believe, that um, has gotten a lot of stuff right in the past about Microsoft and about the Xbox in particular. So there's some credence to this, what I guess we have to consider a rumor at this point. But uh, as you said, Dan, it's called Scarlet, at least that's the code name of the next Xbox, which of course, Phil Harrison even referenced on stage at E3 this last year uh, during the Microsoft press conference. But we get some details about what it might be and when we might expect it. It is evidently set to debut in 2020. And uh, the most intriguing little tidbit here is that there will be two versions of the next Xbox. The Scarlet and the Johansson? The Scarlet (laughs) and the Johansson, yes. Um, How do you pick between a Scarlet and a Johansson? the, there is a physical, normal kind of uh, local box that you buy, just like you've bought every other console in your entire life. But there is this new version that will be a cloud computer. So you will buy uh, a much less powerful little thing to plug into your television. And that thing will use it its uh, internet connectivity to harness the power of uh, Microsoft's Azure architecture to stream games. So this is a streaming console. Evidently, the games will be the same from, you know, depart- no matter which of those two versions you have, whether it's the streaming version or the local version. Uh, and Microsoft is said to have figured out the tech that will make this streaming thing finally a reality. So, Dan, what do you think? Uh, is this, is, which, A, which version would you want to buy with the the knowledge that I think the idea would be here that the streaming version, much less expensive upfront cost, um, obviously there would be a, some sort of monthly fee you would assume for that service, but you would be paying a lot less for the, uh, hardware up front. Or do you want to have that traditional local, you know, uh, give me all my pixels right here instead of streaming them from the, from the internet, Wh- which one of those would you prefer? And what do you think of this uh, in general? Well, obviously it depends on. Uh, and I think we could assume that the local, typical, classic console would be more powerful, right? A better graph. Like I, I assume that there's a. Well, there's I think a catch the idea would be the, the idea would be that it would be indistinguishable. Like the the stuff that's happening in the cloud is rendering this game in the same way. The idea would be if it's local, you don't have to worry about any kind of lag or any kind of compression issues. Basically, it's the difference between watching Netflix or putting in a Blu-ray, right? So you're seeing the right. same thing. You're seeing the same movie in this in this sense. Right. Okay. They're happening in front of you. Uh, all the data is there locally or it's being streamed over the over the internet. Well, then clearly if my Blu-ray, uh, Blu-ray's own versus movies watched on Netflix can attest, uh, I would I would be going for the streaming box. And I think it's, I think this is obviously our our inevitable future, um, and it I I would imagine that if you know Sony would announce their version of it soon after, and this is the the tipping point that we that we are at that happened with mu- with music and then happened with movies and TV, and is certainly and it's already kind of ish happening in games, but this could be the real legit like, and now it begins. You know what mm-hmm. it, it, it would appear that the like Nvidia Shield. And whatever, there was another stream game streaming. I remember us on TRS going to E3 and there was a crate. Yeah. What was that? It called? was on live, I think on live. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So those are like the, like 
Microsoft Zen or, you know, right, the, yeah. the proto. The thing that had um, to fail for it to eventually succeed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so now uh, we're, this is it. And, and I think that um, I, what I wonder is, will we be improving on, gra- will there be a graphical leap the way that we are used to seeing with next gen console leaps or will that start to subside and we will be getting into faster and faster stream more like instantaneous fork it's it's 4k it's it'll be 6k when that is a thing you know whatever yeah. it is like we'll just be getting that and it'll be streaming and better um as opposed to um those graphical yeah, leaps that's a great question that is a great question and i I want to save that for a second because I want to go over to you, Christian, because I know this is something you've been screaming from the mountaintops about just in general, about being ready for the Netflix of video games. Do you think next generation is when it actually happens? And by 2020, do you think this will be what everybody's doing? Kind of how Dan suggested Sony will follow suit. I mean, I hope Microsoft has figured out the latency issue, right? Like that seems to have always been the catching point when we bring bring this up and talk about it, but also to that end, 2020 is, you know, what, two years away. And to put that into perspective, at least for me, the Apple App Store just celebrated its 10-year anniversary. So only 10 years ago, there was no App Store. Now, how many billionaires are there the world over because of things that they sold through that store, right? Like tech changes so quickly and Microsoft has clearly been working on this for years. So for them to have a system in place ready to go by 2020, I, I believe it. I don't know if it will be, you know, perfect everywhere because part of having the something in place to deal with lag, how, you know, I have fiber where I live or I'm in Jackson Hole right now, not on fiber, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, we, we can tell. Not, not, what? Uh, uh. Um, yeah, you don't need to do that. It's it's already happening. Okay, so. great. Um, I'm so I'm not sure, but I'm excited for it. I think next gen. I though I might split the difference and buy the traditional box, which I hope would also be able to stream. So I have I'm, I straddle that line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, I don't I don't know if I'm ready for the next gen to be the one, but I guess if Microsoft is saying, hey, either or. Um, I'm, I'm such an old school guy. I like, I want to have all of my pixels computed in front of me on locally. But then again, you know, as Dan said, I also prefer Netflix and not owning physical discs and stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see how this develops. Now, the other thing that Dan brought up and that I want to talk about is a really interesting idea of this paradigm shift of if you're now just working with a box whose entire job is to be basically Roku, <laughs> you know, or your Apple TV. All its job is to do is to just suck things down from the internet and display them on your television. Then there really doesn't ever need to be a set system spec for what the Xbox or the PlayStation is. You Mm-mm. they literally could just keep improving the backend hardware, the cloud hardware and developers, you know, the first year of whatever Scarlet is, they put out games that look good because they're able to work on whatever hardware that is. But by the fourth year, they're, they've gotten, it's more like PCs where it's like, oh, there's just better graphics cards now. Four years later, we didn't have to wait for an iteration cycle of consoles because it doesn't matter. All I have is this little dummy box that plugs into my television that you know, pulls the image down. What's actually important 
are is the architecture in the cloud that Microsoft is using, and they can update that anytime and let developers know at any time. Well, the, so there'd be some device stuff still, right? Like Apple had to release their 4K Apple TV, Roku released their 4K HDR one. Like I don't know if it's just output for sound and picture picture quality but the actual device itself does sometimes get updated even like netflix you can't do 4k hdr on any streaming service but netflix offers it if you have the hardware that's capable of but it. that's literally the only the only thing would be resolution to your television right what what the complexity of the image that they're giving you right. doesn't matter to the dummy box all that matters is to the thing that's actually rendering the polygons which isn't happening locally uh in fact I would say, Dan, that 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 vision is super exciting, but also is held back by this idea of the Scarlet being put out in two versions. Like in order to get to that place where it's just constantly getting better and better throughout the life cycle of of the thing, you have to not have the local box. You have to not sell that skew of the hardware because that skew is the one that can get outdated. Well, but, you know, A, Netflix started out with delivering DVDs to our doors. Right. And then also threw in streaming as a bonus. And then it organically blossomed into what it is today. Uh, and I think they will always find a way to to um, upsell us on the latest thing. They will They will make up a reason why we need to get new boxes, even if we're streaming. The other thing I was going to say that this reminded me of is and maybe you'll tell me this isn't quite the same thing but do you remember the uproar um there were two uproars uh there was one at the last xbox well the always connected thing was that xbox one it was xbox one it was the launch of xbox one yeah yeah and we everyone freaked out yeah how stupid was that i said it at the time i said i remember i remember yeah i remember and but and then I was also going to say and and Diablo three I think there was a thing right. right with it's like it just goes to show like people don't know what they want and what they need you know yeah. it's it also yeah. goes to show that Microsoft isn't Apple because Apple would have went no you want this we, we're right. ignoring you and they would have been proven right and it all and another thing it shows I think is how quickly things that seem offensive and crazy can seem completely passe and obvious, right? Like it didn't take very many years for us to go, Oh, an always on connected box. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You know? <laughs> uh, so the thing is that, you know, it was a little ahead of its time. And, and I think that's to Microsoft's credit, what isn't to their credit is that they bowed to that pressure. And that pressure was a little, I think, uh, I don't know, wrong headed. Yeah. Um, I, agree. I, I find this to be, pretty exciting and i also think it's a it's a testament to how much netflix and amazon and all these services are in our daily lives that we no longer blink at the question that this is possible right because it wasn't too long ago that everybody was like oh no the lag i mean even on live suffered from the, the all the press around on live was about how the lag is too much you know it's it we're, we're really working on it we've really got it down it but people are like no 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 i can't have any lag in my games and i feel like nobody doubts that that's possible now and it probably has a lot to do with how familiar we are with streaming video in our lives no totally yeah i think totally yeah 
uh, anyway, it's an exciting development. I'm sure we'll hear more as that progresses. Hopefully, uh, Microsoft sticks to their guns this time. The, and makes actually, the thing the thing I want to I want to mention about that very point that's a little bit unfortunate is that we might be reaching the stage in video games that we've reached in music and TV. I, we've already said this er, earlier, but I just want to underline that like we now are more okay with convenience over quality yes. um, in all of those mediums. Yeah. And it's really sad and it's, fr- and it's a bummer. Um, and well, it and sounds I, like you, even you feel that way, right? You, you're not, yeah, watching, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not watching Blu-rays. I'm watching things on my iPad yeah. and I'm watching things that are like not the right aspect ratio. Cause HBO HD doesn't air things in two, four, you know, it's like, yeah. they don't, you know, at Netflix as well, you know, so I'm, I succumb to that because I want the thing in my eyeballs when I want, when I want it, you know, and. Is there um, any part of you that went while you were making 10 Cloverfield Lane, for example, was thinking about people watching it on their phones? No, uh, I still, I've had arguments <laughs> about how ridiculous it is to shoot for that because to make the, like, I'm, I'm working on a TV show right now and that's on occasion raised um, to win a dispute about something. Um, well, people are going to be looking on this phone anyway, on their phones anyway. So what, you know, yeah. but people are used to looking at awesome movies on their phones. So we, when we're making something that is made for a streaming service, cause the show I'm making is on Amazon. So it won't be in theaters, you know, it'll only be streamed. Um, you know, you have to, uh, you have to remember a they're seeing great films on that same format. Uh, but also you have to make the thing the way that it's meant to be made, not, not judge. I mean, you know, cause think about how crappy our sound would be in all of those yeah. things. If people thought about the end result of how we're hearing stuff, cause not everyone has 5.1. Um, well, I imagine more people actually listen to it in better, in the sense that they have it like in their headphones. headphones. Yeah. 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 Totally. So, um, so I guess Good you're point. just you're confirming that the boys was shot all vertically, all vertical. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. All uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I always export all my, I download all my Netflix shows and then rip them and convert them and sh- convert them to portrait. Just do a real harsh pan and scan, and that's uh, <laughs> the only way I watch shows these days. Extreme pan and scan. <laughs> Love it, uh, Christian. What's your story of the week? Turn ten, taking a turn eleven. That didn't work. Um, <laughs> The the end of the loot box continues. The um, Forza Seven uh, about a year later now they're getting rid of their loot crates, which I believe um, you never could pay real money for, but they were deeply tied into kind of a progression system for how things unlocked and how you use some of your in game currency. And they too, following the footsteps of uh, Shadow of the sequel Mordor War. I don't. Oh man, the second one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Pulling them from there. And you're, we're seeing this trend now. I don't know. I think um, the Star Wars prequels gave us the excellent Star Wars episode seven and eight and hopefully nine. And maybe Star Wars Battlefront two <laughs> is giving us the removal of loot boxes. So with terrible Star Wars things come incredible fruits at some point. Uh, I think it's pretty incredible that a year later and especially as a new Forza is on. I, I know it's a Forza Horizon, but a new Forza's quickly approaching you mean it's that on, they are still on the horizon is what you're it is on thank you it is on the horizon yeah. they are uh continuing to tweak and spend money and time improving upon motorsport 7 i i, I like this change and I, I hope 
we see more of it going forward. If I remember, you complained pretty vocally about the use of these uh, loot. What do they call them? They don't call them. So I think they're tokens boxes. or cr- crates. I think they call them prize boxes, actually. Uh, prize crates. Prize crates. Um, but you, yeah, you complained pretty pretty vocally about that in Forza Seven, right? It, yeah, it just changed the progression system, and um, I know you have one peek behind the curtain. Jeff does a great job with some notes, but uh, I'm trying not to use any other internet than what I'm using to record this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the progression system was changed where like t- tweaks to uh, environment or different things that you could typically do in a regular Forza were kind of locked behind a um, in-game currency paywall that were re- rewards and these loot crates. And it was a very different system that I, I do think hindered the experience. And it looks like uh, there was enough of an outcry for long enough that uh, Turn 10 is, is changing it. Yes. Uh, the official uh, blog post here, I'll read some of it. Uh, they said the overwhelming feedback has been that this system feels out of place in the game. After careful consideration, we have decided to completely remove prize crates from Forza Motorsport 7. It will take some time to complete the transition, and in the interim, more than 100 previously locked cars have been unlocked. Whoa. Yeah, and they said, furthermore, uh, the crates that are up for sale today offer no competitive advantage for players, and they vowed that Forza tokens, which had been in previous iterations of Forza uh, that were available for purchase with real-world money, um, now will not appear in Forza Motorsport 7 or in the upcoming Forza Motorsport, uh, Forza Horizon 4. So they are getting out the game of, of loot crates. Dan, do you think this is, first of all, you think it's a good thing. And second of all, do you think this is because people see the writing on the wall and that there's going to be a, not only just a, a fan backlash, but like a legal one as well? Uh, I assume so. Yes. But I will say that, I really enjoy the loot crate experience. And I, I wish that I, I, I love the things that it does to my endorphins. And <laughs> I, I, I wish that they could implement them in to, to capitalize on what it does to one's emotions um, without making it based around in-app purchases like take the the financial side out of it because you're worried about the legal ramifications or what have you. And I've not played Forza um, and don't know quite how they've implemented the loot crate system. Um, but I but I feel like there's a way to deliver it. Um, and I know Jeff, you've mentioned Heroes of the Storm, yeah. and so I I don't know if that's immune if it's if it's very different or Blizzard just doesn't care or than than these other. Shadow, Shadow of War, or even the Assassin's Creed, the the one that had loot crates. I didn't. I I think I didn't experience it when they were before they were patched out or something like that. But um, I uh, but I enjoy them. I enjoy them. I wish that they could just be a fun aspect to a game, and not not based around um, you know, getting people to spend more money. Is it as fun when there isn't money attached? And I realize what that sounds like, but it's like playing poker with no stakes, right? Like, do you, do you think the endorphins are the same if there's not a, a real world loss, if you don't get what you want? Yeah, because it's not, I'm not, I mean, well, so would, here's the storm. Would we consider that a financial well, reason, you know, implementation or is it both, right? Because, um, since they put 
loot crates in Heroes of the Storm, I have not spent a dime on loot crates, on specific line loot crates. I've spent a dime on other things, but I haven't spent a dime on loot crates. I have opened hundreds of them, hundreds. In fact, in fact, I opened two today and I open one, not every day, but pretty close to it. I mean, it, it's not hard to earn a loot, loot box in Heroes of the Storm. You get one every time you level up and you can level up a, every character in the game infinitely. So, I mean, and they're constantly adding new characters. So you're constantly at like low, you have to buy the characters. <laughs> so right. that's how they get you. Yeah. But you can, and all well, of but you can spend, you, you you choose between, do I spend this currency that I've been earning in the game on a new character? Right. Or do I spend it on loot crate and I'll pay for the character? You know, well, you, you, you get to make those decisions. Yes, that's, that's absolutely true. But you also can just earn loot crate. I mean, I earn right, loot crate all the right. time. And I'm really glad you, you said it this way, Dan, because I don't think we've really heard anybody on the show express that opinion. And I think it's a legitimate one. I mean, people rail at loot crates, but I agree with you. It's fun. It's fun to open them and get something cool that you didn't expect. Yeah, um, it helps. It, it really helps like play a game that you enjoyed playing, but don't see the reason to continue playing a game. Right. And, and there being a system in place like loot crates makes you like, I just, we live in a time now where there's too much to play and there's, there's not only is there a wide variety of games that are great to play, but all those games are quite long and you could spend a whole year just playing that one game. And I know that we all think about this quite a bit, the three of us and it helped. I have to make these decisions and what, what game am I going to spend my time in based on what am I going to get the most out of like what either, what are the rest of my friends playing so that at least I have some of an an experience that I can speak to speak about with them or what is a game that I feel like I can improve get better at, which is when I was in the zone of playing here's the storm with you guys. Um, and, And you sort of, when I'm deciding between multiple games, it's like the loot crate thing, at least like, Oh, I get something in return for my time in the game. And it's a, it's a lovely carrot on the stick for me to get better at the game or, to, or for me to find nooks and crannies in, in bits of the game because I'm going to be rewarded for it. I enjoy that. Uh, I, I'm still playing the game and I'm getting all of its, what's intended out of it, uh, whether it's there or not. But if I'm making a decision between multiple games, it kind of makes it a little bit more enticing. And it would not based on, money that has nothing to do with money right. it just has it's, it's sort of reward for time spent well you know we used to talk about this a lot when loot crates were sort of just entering the game space and i think they've become so common that the point of reference has faded but i remember we used to talk a lot about how it's basically the same thing as killing a boss you know like you talk we're going to talk about wow later but you know killing a boss in wow is basically hitting a loot pinata you know it it, it explodes a bunch of loot and you say, well, what did I get? That is a core central gameplay mechanic in all of those games. That, that idea, I mean, Diablo is basically just loot boxes over and over and over a thousand times a minute. You know, it's just like kill, uh, kill things. They explode. What pops out of them is a mystery. Uh, so in a sense, it's, it's a central gaming idea. That's just been sort of abstracted to the point totally you know, to the point of just being like give us money and we'll give you that thing that that 
process instead of playing the game to give you that process. So that, that is interesting, right? I feel like it's maybe not the loot box. It's the monetization of it and yeah. them getting smarter, yeah. exploiting that endorphin rush that we get where it's as long as there is a balance between you earning something or getting something in that progression, not feeling gated or it's when it, it leans too far into, well, give me $2 and I'll do it for you. Or, you know, pay a dollar and you'll get this better loot box. Or you hit this loot box, great, and you got this, the best cloak ever. But to use the cloak, you need a key and you got to buy the key. Like there is a, yeah. re- I think, Dan, you made a really great point and I just looked right past it after you said it. There there really are great examples of this reward system in games. I think to some extent that's all that's what gaming is, right? Um, but we've... <laughs> People have become too smart with it, maybe for their own good, and now we're we're backing away from that. That's the correction we're seeing. I, I know you guys don't. You you brought up Warframe a few weeks ago with the Switch announcement, and, and you guys haven't put a lot of time into that game. But the the thing that, I, that made me fall in love with that specifically is you can certainly spend money to acquire things. Um, but aside from some skins that are like fan created that they charge money for called Tenogen stuff, um, the, the, you can earn everything mm-hmm. and it's insane. Some things take a really long time and it's very challenging. But the fact that I can show up in, uh, a match, uh, you know, a, a level with other people and they're looking at me with my, the, this thing that I, this weapon that I have because I spent the time to get that weapon is incredibly rewarding. And, and also just like, Oh, I want to play with that. Uh, I see a guy with that frame, that warframe, that, that, um, with those abilities and how I want that. Okay. Well, I'll spend the time. I will earn it. And that's, that's why I chose to put so many hours into that game versus, destiny for instance for a variety of reasons but um one of them is just i get to really earn a ton of cool stuff and i get to see it because it's a third person game where destiny is not but anyway i don't even want to go down that rabbit hole of uh, why 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 is overwatch why is the, why is the is the carrot on the stick of overwatch aside from the great gameplay which i do enjoy um, but why are skins a big deal in Overwatch when you don't see them? I, it it boggles my mind, and it, I find it so frustrating. But yeah, um, I agree. And uh, yeah. another conversation uh, for another yes. time. Um, yeah. My my story of the week is uh, one that uh, you guys probably could have predicted. Uh, <laughs> HTC says VR is doing just fine. Thank you very much. Um, a lot of, of course. Uh, hot takes all over the internet about how VR is dying. HTC says, uh, not so fast. We, they put out a blog post. Uh, there was a, um, a Eurogamer article specifically that said VR is uh, dying. Uh, and they were writing the uh, epitaph for, for VR. Uh, HTC says, no, uh, sales are down, but that's only because we are running out of stock. Cause we can't keep them in stock. Cause they're selling like hotcakes. Uh, they said that, um, the numbers aren't the whole story that the Vive has paced at its highest sales velocity of all time for weeks on end. And we are sold out. They said for a consumer electronics product in its third calendar year, this continued trajectory is nearly unheard of. So basically the fact that they started lowering the price of the Vive means that people have started buying them and they didn't have enough inventory on hand. So you're not seeing huge sales numbers because they just 
can't keep them in stock. Um, interesting to me. I'm I'm heartened by this uh, as somebody who's a fan of the of the technology. Clearly, you don't hear people talking about VR as much anymore, except for on this show, and I'll be talking about it today for sure. But um, I, I think this is. I want to believe this. Uh, I think this is probably also uh, a little bit of spin, but I'm very, very secure with the idea that VR isn't going away. That if Eurogamer's position is that it's dying, maybe these particular products that we see now aren't selling in the ways that people thought they might. But this is this is uh, you know the <laughs> the on live again. This is the uh, the, the razor smartphone, right. That before the iPhone came out, this is the harbinger of better things to come. Uh, and I have no doubt that VR is here to stay and that it's only going to get better and better, cheaper, more comfortable, uh, higher quality. And that as, as it matures, it's going to, um, it's going to have a much bigger place in all of gamers hearts. Dan, you directed an entire episode of Black Mirror that was built around the concept of VR. So I imagine you put a lot of thought into it. I know you own a headset. Um, what is your sense of the current state of VR and how much stock do you put into this press release by HTC? Um, well, a it might be considered AR in our episode of... Yeah, you know, uh, I am bad at that. Yeah. I, I use those terms interchangeably and I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't. I, yeah. I really... Everybody goes, no, AR is the future. I agree. But VR is like a subset of AR. And so I feel right. like it's all going to be of a thing that – anyway. So if people are kind of mincing words and saying, yeah, maybe VR is dying because AR is taking over it, I'll grant that. But I don't think that's what people mean when they say VR is dying. Right. Uh, no, I hear you. I, you know, and I, I was just being annoying. But um, I also – I don't know, dude. I mean, I love it. I love the experience of it, though I certainly have not um, proving my wife and f some friends right. <laughs> I have not been rocking that headset um, as much as I told people I would be when I per spent a lot of money purchasing them. Um, and uh, but I do enjoy it. I I I do. Fear. I mean, it, it does, it needs the iPhone. It needs, I don't know what it's, it's quote unquote iPhone is going to be, but I do know that like most things, the thing that would make it take over is it has to be easier. It has to be more accessible. It can't just be better. Right. It has to be more accessible than the way I currently experience things. It's a 3d. It's the same thing. And I, and I, I do kind of sense that 3d is, um, not going to be, you know, it, it, it found its best implementation. Um, we've had its best iteration, uh, in the past, I don't know, has it been five years since avatar, I guess. I don't know how long ago that was, but you probably do Jeff as your oh, 10, 10 years, I think 10 years. It no, been, dude, I think so. what, hasn't it? What's what the year did avatar come out? No way. <laughs> I'm going to throw up 2009. There's man. no way. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, where are we? Yeah. What is that? That's insane, dude. That's insane. Um, but so, wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see what the new avatar movies do to bring back the love for 3d. But I, 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 I think VR really needs 
the kind of headset. I mean, basically it just needs to feel like I'm putting on glasses. Yeah. Um, it doesn't uh, now light, untethered. Yes. All those, but all those things are going to happen. I, I have no doubt about that. Like, it doesn't, well, here's the, here's my only, I, I, I'm with you. I want that to be the case. <laughs> um, but that should have happened for 3d. And yes, it technically, it was just as easy as putting on glasses. However, I will say that things are, were a little bit dark. They were a little bit blurry. The glasses had scratches on them and different things. You know, like it never really was. What should have happened is it should be like you're just looking at a screen and it's 3D, you know, which we've seen iterations of that tech yeah. come and, and go and not really be implemented. The, the, the biggest, you know, feeling, I just, I, I don't know if... There's a, okay, there's a weird thing that has happened to me when I watch 3D films and s- similarly with VR, which is the better implemented – I'll talk about 3D movies. The better implemented it is, the more I – and the more we've, we've gotten used to watching things in 3D, the more I don't notice it. And then it's like, well, I might as well just watch a movie not in 3D because you just sort of – it just becomes normal. And I've gotten that way with some VR games as well. I've got, I've, I've sort of weirdly, whenever it's a standing game where I'm walking around, I feel like, oh, I'm just like, I feel, I feel, I feel it more when I'm like, I feel the cool feeling more when I'm sitting and then I'm interacting with a totally three dimensional world that's surrounding me. Um, but I think there's a weird thing that can, could happen. Maybe this is just Dan Trachtenberg. I don't know if this is everyone's experience, but I think the better it is, the more you just sort of feel like, okay, well now I'm just, it, it becomes so normal that you might as well not even have this special situation um, to tell you the story. Interesting. Uh, Christian, I know you have strong feelings about this. Well, what I, I really enjoyed Moss. We raved about it on this show. Um, but I'm I'm super curious how it would be, how much we would have raved about it not in VR as I've been playing uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker more and more and going for 100% completion on all the levels where they're not the exact similar game, but I think there are similarities between Moss and Captain Toad and how you kind of see the whole world and each level is its own little diorama and you can kind of manipulate the space and you're moving this little character around in it. And I feel like a lot of the charm of Moss would still work on a flat screen. I don't think they have any plans to announce it that way, but I'm really curious how it would work. And like Star Trek Bridge Crew now doesn't require VR. And I'm curious for people who have experienced that only on a TV or a computer monitor? Like, did they have as much fun as we did when we were playing it in VR? Like, how much more fun does it give you? And then how much more is it, to, to what extent are do experiences require it? And um, if so, how can we replicate those outside of VR? And there, I hadn't really thought of it that way before. And I'm not sure what the answer is. Like, I know I love Wipeout, and I love it on a flat screen. And when I played it in VR the first time, it blew me away to see it this new way. But I think I kind of agree with Dan that as I played it in VR more and more, I'm like, that is just me playing the game. I may as well just play the game without taking the 20 seconds to put the headset on first. It's weird. It's it's really weird where it's like, yeah, this is awesome. And now it's normal. And now I guess I won't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think it goes back to Dan's comment earlier about convenience trumping uh, quality, you know, or the, the experience may be, 
markedly better to be in VR and to be inside something, but the convenience of not having to put a thing on. I mean, I think it's one, one of the reasons we talk so highly about the switch is mm-hmm. how easy it is to just turn it on and start playing really fast. Um, and it's, it's a little sad that it's all about convenience, but also kind of makes sense, right? I mean, that's true. I, I 100% follow Dan's point there in terms of my Fortnite playing where I have the best version of it on a very high power PC and rarely do I play it that way. And I play it on the Switch, which is probably the lowest fidelity version of all of the versions that I own, but it is the easiest way for me to play it whenever I want to. Well, I'm I'm glad to see that HTC is pushing back on this perception because I think a lot of it is just people sort of piling on and wanting to, it to be dead in a weird way. Um, and, I, and I think it's going to persist and we'll see where it goes. And I'll continue to cover it. That's for sure because I still love it. Let's get to stuff we've been playing. But first, I want to thank uh, our sponsor, Squarespace. Uh, talk about things on a 2D screen, man. You're going to need a website at some point. If you don't already need one, chances are you're going to need one for something, whether it's a store where you need to sell something or an announcement you have, uh, maybe an online portfolio or blog, some place to publish your work, to promote uh, your business in some way. Everybody needs a website at some point, but not everybody can make one easily until they get on Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to make a website. In fact, Dan, you and I have been talking about this for a decade. We have been talking about Squarespace for a decade. Um, I think longer than a decade when you talk about the year that Avatar came out. Yeah, we were talking about it before (laughs) Avatar came out. That is for sure. Uh, And JeffCanada.com was made on Squarespace. It lives there. It's the place that I recommend to everyone, if family members, people, anybody that's looking to get a website, they go, Jeff, you're a guy that makes your living online. How do you, how do you, what do you do? I need to make a website. I always go Squarespace, Squarespace. It makes it easy because you start with a beautiful template made by professionals and then you just drag and drop. You just uh, make, make it your own using very simple to use tools. You don't have to know any programming or HTML. It's so easy. Plus they have 24 seven award-winning customer support in case you run into any problems. They have all kinds of built-in things, things you would need on your website, like analytics that help you grow in real time. They have built-in search engine optimization. They have free and secure hosting. They have uh, no need for you ever to run an upgrade or a patch. It all happens for you behind the scenes. Everything's optimized for mobile in case people visit your website on their phones. It's everything you need. You can make it yourself. You don't have to pay someone to make a website. You can make a beautiful website that looks unique and yours all by using Squarespace. And if you head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, you can get a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, and save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's a great deal. You don't have to even put in a credit card to try it out. Just go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. And then when you are ready to buy it, when you've decided you've used the tools, you've made your website, you like it, you're ready to publish it, save 10% by using that Jeff sent me promo code. Thanks to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and DLC. We appreciate it. I hope you guys give them a shot. They are the best in the biz. Big, meaty playlist this week. We got so much to talk about. Here's where I want to start. 
Dan, uh, you are uh, among a group of friends of mine uh, who I talk about often on this show, uh, hopping from MMO to MMO, but we always come back to old faithful, don't we? We always <laughs> come back every couple of years, come back to, to, the, to the lady that brung us, uh, World of Warcraft herself, and uh, you have come back in a big way in anticipation for battle for Azeroth, the new expansion that is launching in just a few weeks now. Um, and you, but you've been playing for a couple of months. Is that right? I actually, you know, interestingly, I tried this time. I tried to do it differently because I knew that this was going to happen. As soon as battle for Azeroth, um, was announced, I think probably, I tried to never leave basically is my point. <laughs> I, I, I did hop from, I mean, I was playing, I, I was playing Wildstar for a long time. Um, I went back to Terra uh, I went to an MMO called Blade and Soul that I love, but I then very quickly went back to WoW because I knew that everyone else was going to hop back in, and if I was over it by then, I would it would it would be harder for me to get back in. And I what I always do is I get back in later than everyone else, and I have to play catch up. So I really try to get ahead of the game here and like stay in. Um, and in doing so, I started leveling a horde and alliance at the same time so i could experience the expansions from both sides i've never done that usually i'll do one or the other and i will have forgotten what the other experience was so i won't know what the comparison point is and i really wanted to know what did blizzard do here are we are they reskinning the same quests or is it quite different um and it is quite different actually it's it's pretty cool to see um, I've only gone through Panda and Draenor now, um, as these, as these dual, uh, alliance, you know, Alliance and Horde, um, leveling and, uh, and it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I also upped my, I brought my one tens back in action. Um, trying to figure out what I'm going to main. Cause I don't think these guys that I'm leveling will get to, um, get get to 110 in time for the expansion but so, so um, here's what i want to do because yeah. uh, i'm undoubtedly going to be install reinstalling you better wow, yeah when when azeroth drops but yeah. here's what i want you to do even though you've already done this in person with me i want you to do it on the show now mm. uh and sell me on why i should install it now uh what i know that the big patch dropped the pre uh, the pre um, expansion patch that w- Blizzard always does yeah. introduce a bunch of new systems, revamps all the all the classes, uh, changes everything up before the expansion officially launches. So tell me what I'm missing right now that's in the game that I should be playing. Well, there's two tracks of answering that. One track is what kind of what I just said, where you don't want to be behind. <laughs> um, you don't you you don't want to like be like relearning your character and and figuring out which class you're going to play because I know you have multiple. I you do have multiple one tens, don't you? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So you don't want to like be going through that whole process day one, right? Because um, we're also all not going to be logging on at the same time. We're going to be like sort of like I'm on then now I'm not off and you know yeah um so but now I don't I, have to worry it, you describe a situation that has happened year after year after year after year with this game expansion right. after expansion which is all our friends start leveling and then you're just like it's keeping up with the Joneses it's stressful it's like oh my god every people are texting ah ding I you know leveled up and you're like ah, I'm behind <laughs> very stressful but now you don't have to be the same level to party up and. Sure. 
you could do any content in any order, right? It's all new world. It's all less stress. Right? But that was the same. That was the same for Legion as well, which I benefited from because I was um, not the same. I don't remember uh, that. Is that true? I was under leveled from. Legion yeah, I mean, you there? benefited. I mean, you were playing with me, and I was. You got. You were totally ahead of me for a long time. Um, so yeah, we, you. That's that's of great benefit. Uh, the pre patch uh, in instigates um the new pvp mode uh war mode which i've not i've so you can now there's no longer pvp servers right um or are you you guys still hearing me my computer just went to sleep but okay cool weird um there's there's uh so so yeah so you just pop a thing that sets you in a pvp mode and now you're flagged so you can quest in peace if you want to, or you can quest with PvP on. I've been enjoying. You get a ten percent XP buff mm. with it with your flag popped. Uh, so I luckily have not been ganked. Knocking on wood. You're just. Um, at, it's just pressure all. luck. It's just like yes. look at me. Look at me. I'm, I'm just getting XP. XP. Oh nope, nope. nope I'm not, my flag's not. <laughs> Which is kind of cool though, right? I kind of enjoy that. Like, all right, I'll, I'll roll the dice and I'll get the buff, but. Yeah. Um, hopefully I don't, you know, get into any kind of trouble. Um, so that's in play. There was a stat squish that's in play. And then all of the, um, like all the artifact weapon, everything that Legion brought in terms of gameplay, uh, abilities and, and rotation has been adjusted. So some, some classes have been affected greater than others, um, so that's something that you'd want to get in on a little bit earlier, I think, Jeff, just to see. And you can also watch videos or read, you know, Icy Veins or whatever, um, and see what's different um, about your preferred class. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I haven't really been on the one ten because I've been leveling. But um, so it's not my, about and, it's not about end game stuff right now. It's about getting yeah. as many characters as you can up to 110 and so i can choose yeah yeah and and by the way you'll get a free boost yeah, as well right so if there's a class that you haven't like that's what you loved right when you hopped in legion because yeah. you boosted a priest and I you're like did. yeah and how fun was that because you never played a priest before and super fun you know yeah you could do that again you could boost a totally random um or if you didn't level demon hunter you could do that right now you could level demon hunter from yeah. 100 to 110 yeah see what you think of that yeah, that siren call is it's happening again. And we're going to be doing it. All right. So um, there's also another game that you've been wanting us to talk about on the show yes. for a long time to the point where you bought me a copy. I it. did. I, and stupidly, because then it went on with the Steam summer sale. <laughs> like, yeah, I was so mad at myself for um, doing that. But, but, and also because you didn't play it. I'm but, a terrible friend for I, you bought it for me, and I still didn't even talk about it on the. But show. you did. But you did. You did play I a did little play bit it. of it, right? So it. talk a little bit about. Help describe it, and I'll I'll sell so it better when you found Shadow it. Tactics, right? Blades of the Shogun. Blades yeah. of the Shogun. Yeah, uh, and it is a uh, a isometric uh, stealth infiltration game. Uh, that's actually very cleverly done. It, 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 multiple characters, and you have to sort of take down these levels with, you know, it's sort of like what if um, um, Splinter Cell or old school uh, Metal Gear Solid were a third person isometric game, you know, with a big camera that you could pan around a big map, uh, and and that idea is really clever. It's uh, you know, you're planning 
you're seeing routes of sentries. You're planning how to either avoid them or take them down. You're and you're a ninja, so or at least one of the characters is. So you're able to like leap to the top of rooftops and go around back and hide and use your skills. And um, I found it to be it didn't get its hooks into me. Uh, I think it was around a time when there's a lot of stuff coming out too. Totally. Uh, but uh, I did appreciate it. I think it's a, a really interesting, cool game. I, I know. Tell me what it is about it that made you want me to play it so badly. Well, for, first of all, I think the um, art style, the design, the sound, everything, it's its wonderful to, to be in at moments a Kurosawa film and at moments a ninja movie. It's just, it's beautiful, beautiful um, aesthetically and orally. Um, and I actually feel like it's... It, the reason why I thought you would love it is that it's like playing XCOM yeah, um, or an XCOM like game, except instead of there being a grid and the, those games I love as well. Um, but those games are, are more like playing chess mm-hmm. and with a skin on it, but you never really f- quite feel immersed in the emotion of that story. I, I find, right. whereas this, I feel like it's, it's checking the same boxes. It's plucking the same strings of I get to pause and strategize yeah. and think about how I'm going to pull something off. But I also am able, uh, or I should say, but I'm totally immersed in what the story of the moment is um, and what the themes of the game are um, viscerally and emotionally. But but moreover, I, I, you also get to do some things in real time. So it's, it's sort of like having your cake and eat it too, where I it's not... I don't have any of the like waiting for the other guy to take his turn and or I feel too much like I'm playing a 3D board game mm-hmm. where I really feel like I'm doing having some action combat thrill but with the pause strategy let me see if I can play this as smart as I can and um and what I I initially thought when I first downloaded the game that it was going to be just the ninja game and I was going to have one dude with his set of skills and seeing how you can stealth through a level like Splinter Cell. What I came to find out as I played more and what I so enjoy about the game is that you have multiple characters all with special abilities. So there's a sniper guy who hangs back. Um, There's a samurai who gets in there and can take two guys down at the same time. And there's the ninja guy who does stealth and can um, jump to higher levels quicker. Like it, it, and you use all them it's 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 a puzzle you know it allows every level to be a puzzle that has multiple solutions um but that you can't you can't just um root strength your way through it yeah. um and uh you have to be smart and there's quick saves galore like it it doesn't there's no lag of like oh i died i have to start all the way at the beginning like it it, it just for me it's a it's a have your have your cake and eat it two game that is incredibly fun but also allows for strategy, strategizing and thinking as well. Um, yeah, so. we, we should mention again, it's called Shadow Tactics. And then what's the subtitle again? Blades of the Shogun. Blades of the Shogun. Blades of the Shogun. And it, yeah. We're playing it on Steam. I think it's only on, on PC, right? Or it's not a- No, it's on consoles too. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I think I bounced off of it a little bit when it did introduce the multiple characters because I felt like that level – like it it was a little analysis paralysis for me of like, Oh, there's so many options. Now I have like multiple dudes and how do I, 
uh, I was like, okay, I don't, my brain. Is yeah, but, but it, it kind of like XCOM where you'll have a guy who right. um, has the longer ranged weapon. And the, I mean, it, it becomes like there's only, I don't want to say there's only one way to do it, but there's like only one use of that guy. So you're thinking of yeah. what is the thing that he's meant to be doing? And the you know, right. it's sort of, it's sort of, it, it, it drills down, I think, in a lovely way. It's not quite as, because I too would experience analysis paralysis. Um, and I didn't find that to be the case. I think I think you could get past it if there was a lull in games. You could pick it up and I and I think quite enjoy it. But so Shadow yeah. Tactics: Blades of the Shogun. Uh, yeah, I think you can get it for relatively inexpensive uh, amount yeah. of money. And it's um, you know it's 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 real good. I liked it. Um, Christian, how about you? You've been playing. You mentioned Captain Toad. Yeah, so it's it's been a lot of Captain Toad Treasure Tracker on my Switch, and I adore that game. I've been going through um, 100%ing all of the levels, and the way that the, the secrets are kind of hidden, not in plain sight, because you have to turn the level, you know, manipulate the levels to find them, but everything is there. Like, you start every level with everything there in in a way that you're not it's not you do one thing and come back it's not a metroidvania right like each thing is its own board and it's it's super rewarding and i know a lot of people might be turned off by it and some of these other switch games that are just wii u ports but i cannot stress enough that if you have not played captain toad um i think it's 40 bucks new on switch it's such a great game if you have a 3ds i hear the 3ds port is is really well done also um it's just it's it's zen and challenging at the same time when you start trying to hundred percent everything, but you can just kind of appreciate the levels for what they are and and um, yeah, if you've if you missed it on Wii U and uh, you haven't picked it up yet on Switch, I highly recommend it, especially during this summer period where you know there might not be something else knocking on your door and you're kind of wondering what to play. It's uh, I think it should be on the top of people's list. Dan, have you did you ever play Treasure Tracker? No, I, I, I'm so excited that you're talking about it because I've, I've almost hit the buy button on this quite a number of times and I have no idea what it is. Like, is it, is it a puzzle game? Like what, yeah, compared to something else, like what is it even like? Um, there's a Japanese word that I don't remember what it is, but like a Zen garden where it's all, kind of like the levels of of Mario Odyssey was kind of inspired backwards from Treasure Tracker where it's dense but small, right? The Mario Odyssey world's individual levels aren't huge and sprawling where you're covering 10 in-game miles or whatever, but there are secrets and turns around every corner. So Treasure Is it a platformer? Like what? So yeah. it's a puzzle game. Uh Toad okay. cannot jump. Each level is essentially a cube that you spin. And uh, it's it's like you're viewing this cube diorama from afar and you're moving Toad around the world, but then you're also spinning the world to find new vantage points and then touching a few objects you can touch to raise platforms or lower pra- platforms. So it has this Escher-esque vibe to it. Um, okay, so Mime and Valley or Echo Chrome-like, yes, yes. you might say? Yes, okay. not quite as abstract as Echo Chrome. Correct, not um, not quite as abstract as either Monument Valley or Echo, Tr- Echo Chrome, but in that same vein. But then those games with the brightness and level design of a Mario world kind of combined together to make this 
you know, mm. puzzle platformer where you can complete the level very easy, easily, like just get to the end to get the star, but to get all three gems. And then there's always like one secret thing you need to do, you know, requires some thought where you're like, how do I, like one of them is complete the level with, you know, three moves. And you're like, I can't do it in three. Oh, there it is. And it, it all kind oh. of comes together. Um, and it unlocks, I'm into it. I'm into it. yeah, it unlocks itself very, um, gracefully. The thing that it does that I do find annoying that a lot of Nintendo games seem to do these days is it rolls credits very early in the game, so to speak, in terms of you'll see credits and you'd be like, Oh, I beat it. No, you didn't. <laughs> there's almost, I, I forget the exact count, but it feels like there's almost two X levels after credits than there are before credits. And some of those post, you know, what I'll call credit levels are some of the most, um, some of the best designed levels of the game. So when you see the credits, don't be like, that was a short game. N- no, I don't know why they put the credits there. There's, <laughs> there's so much more game. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I dug those levels in, in Mario. Um, I just don't know if I'm down for an entire game of that. They felt like a fun little uh, easy breezy diversion uh, in the, in, in Odyssey. I guess they were in Odyssey, right? They were in Odyssey. Uh, uh, no, it was before Odyssey. It was, um, sure. 3D World. Oh, yes, you're right. 3D World. Um, I just don't know if I, I – it doesn't – I'm not itching to do that for an entire extended well, period for some reason. I think the good thing about the game is that it's very pick-up and playable, right? Like the, yeah. the, the piece or the secret or the technique you use to complete one stage and to get everything on it won't be the next thing you do in the next stage at all aside from you know rotating the level. But especially if you own it digitally, it's just you can pick it up, play for a little bit, and then move on to something else. It's a really nice palate cleanser. But – I've certainly been putting hours into it as well, so it can get its hooks into you. That's Captain Toad Treasure Tracker on Switch. Uh, I, guys, reinstalled No Man's Sky for the No Man's Sky Next update, which rolled out this week. And we talked about No Man's Sky a lot when it came out. Um, <laughs> this feels like a brand new game to me. I know It doesn't really, but it does. It It really feels like... If this had been how No Man's Sky originally launched, it would have been a huge hit. It was already a huge hit, but it would have been something people were talking about for a long, long time. They have done so much right and and corrected so many things and kind of made good on a lot of the promises. Uh, I'm really impressed with it. I'm playing it on PlayStation 4 Pro. It looks gorgeous. They have updated the graphics quite substantially, in my opinion. Uh, but moreover, they... I think focused the experience and part of what I bounced off of originally with no man's sky was how unfocused it was. And I think that was by design. They seem to be making a game that was all about a, a sort of um, free form exploration that didn't need purpose, but it, it felt missing to me. It felt like I was just meandering and there wasn't any there, there, there was no thing to reward time spent and over a series of updates they've added more and more things to do and now this one really feels like all of that stuff coalesced into a structure that is so much more compelling and the worlds themselves feel more compelling there's more so let me back up what can i ask three questions (laughs) they're all also they're all three part questions and (laughs) no they're all they're all related they're all related did you did you continue your prior game? If that. no, yeah. did you do survival or creative? Okay. I was just about to get to that. So what I did was when I installed the 
10 gigabyte download, which is like twice the size of the original game. It's like, oh, I'm going to play some No Man's Sky next tonight. No, I'm not. I'm playing it tomorrow. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, after I installed it, I booted up my old save. And I was like, where am I? Who am I? What's going on? New menu system, new items. I don't get this. I was like, I'll check out the third person view. Third person view looks cool, but I have no idea what I was doing. I was like in a space station. I don't remember what I was doing. And I, and I went, you know what? This isn't good. I'm going to restart a new game and start it from the beginning. And I am so glad I did. And unless you've been playing No Man's Sky this whole time, I highly recommend. If you're like me and you played it for a while when it came out and then you you haven't played it since... Just start a new game. There are multiple save slots. So you don't lose your old game anyway. But the way it brings you into the experience now, the opening sequence, the series of missions it gives you is so much better than it used to be and really cool. It's really fun. It feels like a big adventure role-playing game because the mission structure actually brings you into the world, gives you stuff to do, makes you understand how to do things now. So... My experience was, you know, starting on a planet and you, you're you crashed there and you need to fix your ship. That's the initial and just like it was in the old game. But now you've got all these new tools to do it with. You have a visor. You've always had a visor, but the visor now will show you more points of interest uh, around your planet and how far it is to get to them. And you can you can select waypoints so you, you know, keep it on your HUD so you can go to places, which – Sounds like a small thing, but it's a huge thing in the sense of giving you purpose. No longer do I feel like I'm just wandering around hoping to stumble on something useful. Now it's like I pull up this visor and way, 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 way far away. Oh, a mystery thing. Let's go to that. That sounds cool and mysterious. Let's go there. And so I'm traipsing across the planet. And as I'm going, I'm encountering crazy cool things that I might want to scan and name. Or uh, there's a cave. I'll go in there. Ooh, look cool. Or really rare resources. And now the mission structure is like, you need these cool rare resources. You better find them. How are you going to find them? It just gives you purpose in a way that video games tend to. And it feels so much better to have that. Um, And then it's much more, I think, built like these other survival games that have so much, you know, come into vogue, like Ark and um, Conan and uh, Subnautica and others. These games where you start with nothing and you have to build everything you need. I think No Man's Sky has borrowed a lot of that structure from those games, and it really truly is a survival game. So to answer your question, question, I did not play in creative. I played in survival, and I like it. Yes, the grind is still there, the the grind of constantly needing resources. Your life support systems are draining. Your hazard suit is draining, and you constantly need resources to recharge those things. You constantly need resources to allow your ship to take off from planets and fly around. So you're, you're definitely continuing that no man's sky grind of needing to harvest things and even needing to find stuff. But now you've got this, this device that you build and deploy that lets you like refine things and you put in certain materials and it transforms them into other materials. You have other things that you can deploy and pick up. You can build, uh, bases and structures anywhere you want. And then you can teleport between them. So if you build one on one planet and another way, way, way far away, light years away on another planet, you can instantly teleport between them. You don't have to spend resources to go from those planets. So you're basically creating this ecosystem for yourself. 
And you can invite friends now. So all the stuff, all the building effort that you put into making something cool looking, you can actually show it to people. I haven't played the multiplayer yet. I'm excited to, but I have been exclusively playing it in third person mode, which I think is really fun and, and cool. And there's lots of cosmetic stuff now to change the look of your dude and, or dudette. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think it is a, a much improved experience. It really is a game that I'm enjoying now in a way I didn't before. Um, it feels new. It feels like it, this is a new game that just came out. It's pretty cool. It, is the air quote point still to make it to the center of the universe? Does it still give you that as that mission kind of early on? Or is it does it kind of abandon that and you're just kind of surviving and building? It it gives you more context. I mean, I think there was always sort of this like, what's going on? Who are the other aliens? What are these monoliths? There was always that a little bit beneath the surface. But now that is much more front facing. And they're like, hey, figure this stuff out. There's weird transmissions going on. Who is transmitting them? What's it, it? It is much more a conventional mission structure. You have a, a a log that has different missions, and you can select them, and it tells you what you need to do to do those things. So, I think it it, it feels much more purposeful and clear. And I think for me, as a gamer who needs that kind of thing, it is a breath of fresh air because it feels like oh, now I'm in a structure that makes sense. And I can still, you know, meander around and explore and there's still plenty of stuff to explore. And it feels less like, look at the weird procedural nonsense that I'm finding and more like these are interesting planets full of surprises and mysteries. I mean, there's like, there's like buried treasure now. And uh, so you'll find a blip on your map and it'll say, you know, a mysterious artifact buried here. And so you can, you know, you pull out your, your, terraforming gun and you like dig a hole and you go down and you find it and it's got blueprints in it that has some alien technology and you take it back to your blueprint machine and you decipher it i mean fun cool video game stuff it's 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 much improved my last oh go ahead dan sorry i was gonna ask why you because i um downloaded on i played quite a bit of it on playstation and i when this update came out i downloaded for pc and played just the first hour or so. Um, but you chose survival mode instead of normal? No, I, I, I think maybe I'm misremembering. I thought that yeah. was normal. Yeah. I'm not playing the like harder. I'm playing. Yeah, that's what I figured. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was confused. I was like, wow, that is not. I may have been um, the one confused. I mean, I, I was yeah. thinking that's what they called the normal, but maybe that was. Yeah, the no, normal. there's normal, then there's survival, and then there's creative. Create. But I think there's like challenge. There's like two levels of challenging. Right. Or there's like permadeath. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever the normal, like, this is the game as we intended to play. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, so, Christian. Are you going to – I mean you already own this game. Is it, That's the other thing that's amazing about this. It's a free update if you already own the game, which is – it's massive. Uh, and I don't know of a game that's reinvented itself like this before. It really feels like a rebirth of this game. Um, you famously never left your home planet. <laughs> are you going to uh, – are you going to revisit No Man's Sky and, and leave your home planet? I mean, I think I do want to revisit No Man's Sky. I knew I wouldn't have time this week traveling and, and time to get to it. But I think what this gives me the opportunity to do, Jeff, is revisit No Man's Sky and establish a new home planet to never leave. Ah, so now you'll have seen two planets total. <laughs> two. Maybe I can join your game and visit all of your planets. Yeah, I want to play multiplayer. I think it's going to be super fun. 
Um, I mean, there's, there's lots of stuff I haven't even tried yet. And then new version, I mean, there's, there's like, you know, you can build freighters and do all kinds of trade routes and stuff. It's a full game now. It's not just like, look at the cool procedural worlds we've made. It's really got lots to do. And I'm, I'm, I was digging it, man. I really was enjoying playing it. It's fun. And how does multiplayer work? Like, is it a, well, obviously friends can invite each other into a game, but are you also, will you just run into people when that's supposed to happen? And, and. Yeah, you do it. You know, that thing where you, you starts a game and people can just be populated into it. So yeah, a shared server with potentially other people. Oh, it's not, it's a separate mode. I thought that I, I thought that it was just in the normal mode. You'll encounter people. or I wanted that to be the case. You can either join someone's game or start. I think you have the option a to game start that an could be open joined. game. Yeah, start an open yeah. game or a closed game. I think you have the option to do. Right. Yeah. I did an open game, but I, I guess I'm still in the opening. Bits yeah, I didn't. I haven't encountered any other human beings either. Right. Um, hmm. Who knows? Okay. Interesting. All right, um, man. So much fun stuff to talk about. Uh, let's talk also about our sponsor. Uh, I want to tell you about Skillshare. Skillshare is a new sponsor, and I'm really excited about this because I have a love of learning. I genuinely have gotten to the point in my life where I just love learning. And I think it's a, a, a lifelong pursuit that everybody should fall in love with. And there, one way to do it is by using a service like Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform and they have classes in a whole wide range of topics that you could you know, learn a new skill, something that you could actually make money on and, and, or, you know, get a new job doing that level of learning or something that just you're curious about. And maybe you just want to know more about, and you love to find out how stuff works or how people do what they do. They have such variety in the kinds of online classes and uh, seminars that you can watch. For example, there's a whole set of game design courses one of the ones I was watching uh, that I thought was so cool was build a Unity 3D Mario Kart – or not Mario Kart. I shouldn't say Mario. It doesn't, it doesn't say Mario. Build a Unity 3D Kart game in one hour. So in an hour, you start from nothing, and by the end of it, you have a kart game. Uh, there was another one. Uh, this is the one that I, I really was fascinated by. Pixel Art Fundamentals. I've always wondered how people do pixel art. It's such an interesting – a class to talk about how you build pixel art and w- what the tools are to make it, how you conceptualize it. Very, very cool. So there's a whole game design courses, but there's art, there's design, there's business, uh, there's tech, there's lifestyle. I mean, there's cooking, there's uh, health and wellness, languages, all kinds of stuff. Skillshare is a really, really awesome platform that allows you to just expand your knowledge, expand, make yourself a better person. (laughs) So here's the cool thing. We are going to help you out. If you want to try Skillshare out, you join the millions of students who are already learning on Skillshare today. And you do so by this special offer. That's just for listeners of DLC, two months of Skillshare for 99 cents. What? 99 cents, two months of Skillshare for 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering DLC listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. 
<laughs> All you have to do is go to Skillshare.com slash DLC. Again, Skillshare.com slash DLC to start your two months right now for 99 cents. That's S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E.com slash DLC. Check it out. Become a better person. Learn more. Find out about cool stuff that you've always been curious about. Skillshare.com slash DLC. All right, so we couldn't talk about VR at the top without me talking about VR games. And there is a huge game that came out this week uh, on Oculus. It's called Marvel Heroes United. This is a game I have been very highly anticipating because, as you know, Marvel Zombie from way back. Marvel Heroes United is a game where you get to play one of, I think, like over a dozen different Marvel heroes. And you can play multiplayer. You are in a group of four heroes that team up to take down the forces of Thanos and his uh, accumulated Masters of Evil. This is all of the big bads from the Marvel Universe. They are infiltrating various famous locations from the Marvel Universe and sending their denizens of evil uh, to them. Now, it's just a wave shooter. It really is a wave shooter. But it's a wave shooter in the Marvel Universe with Marvel heroes. And I will tell you, when I booted this game up in my headset, holding my Oculus Touch controllers in hand, and it said, who do you want to start as, Captain America or uh, Black Widow? And I said, well, Captain America. And I started the game, and I look around, and I'm on the street, in New York City, skyrise buildings, cars, a giant helicarrier up in the sky above me. And I look down and I'm wearing Captain America's costume. And I'm holding Captain America's shield in my hand. I was like, I, I'm, I'm sold on this. That <laughs> is wish fulfillment on a scale that I've only dreamed of. I mean, now, the next part is it says, okay, you're Captain America. Uh, the way you throw your shield is, you know, you swing your arm like you're throwing your shield and you let go of the button and your shield goes forward. And I was like, yes, yes. And you're in this cool prologue and like Spider-Man swings down and moves a bus out of the way and the Hulk jumps in and starts fighting something over there. And you're like, there's robots coming at you from aim and you're, you, you, you've got to throw your shield at him and hit him. And I'm like, yes. And I start to throw my shield with my arm and it kind of doesn't go where I thought it was going to go. I was like, eh, that that's a little disappointing. And then I just held my hand forward and I pushed the button and my shield leapt off of my arm and shot out like a projectile and returned to my hand. And then all I had to do was like point and push the button over and over. And my shield would shoot out and shoot out and shoot out and shoot out. I was like, Oh no, 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 no game. No, that's not how I want it to work. I don't want my shield to feel like this yo-yo projectile thing that doesn't feel like Captain America. So I was worried. I was worried that the game was going to be bad. I had heard uh, some bad things about it. Some reviews were not so kind. And that, even though that, that first moment was a wow moment of looking down at my costume and seeing Captain America's hands and gloved, you know, gloved hands and arms and seeing the shield, I was like, ah, the mechanics just feel wrong and, uh, Okay. Then I got through the prologue, which admittedly, really cool. Lots of heroes jumping in at the end of it. 
Captain Marvel comes down and she grabs your arm and you take off and she flies you through the air and you see New York City getting smaller beneath you and she's got like this energy beam around her and you're like looking at her. She's right next to you because you're holding under her arm. So cool. And then you arrive on, I guess, uh, a helicarrier in uh, Avengers base and Lockjaw is sitting there uh, in front of you and you get this cool briefing about all the different missions and what you have to do and you get into the character selection screen and there's all these characters i mean tons of characters there's iceman and there's black bolt and doctor strange and black panther a huge roster of characters storm uh gamora star lord rocket raccoon is one of the characters you can play as no iron man though which I suspect will be a downloadable addition later. Cause how do you make a game of that Iron Man in it? Um, so I picked, of course I had to start with Spider-Man. I had to pick Spider-Man jump into a match. The game looks gorgeous. Really one of the most beautiful VR games I've played. Absolutely stunning. I do a random match. I go into, um, I get put into, What's the name of that place? Wait, the place what is that a, doc- what does what does a random match mean? Is it not story based? Are you multiplayering? Is this against are, people? It is a you, you are multiplayering even when you're not. There's o- the only way to play it is to jump into a scenario, a mission, and play with three other people. You can either play with three other bots controlled by the computer or play with three other human beings. So it's only that, and it's only um, wave shooter. So you're going to a place, and that place has a story. Unfortunately, the story is always the same in that bad guys are attacking it. You have to collect data from these different points where there is a machine that S.H.I.E.L.D. has deployed there. The Avengers have deployed there to collect data. You have to defend that machine while it does that over a series of waves of tougher and tougher enemies until a boss spawns. Defend that, and then the actual, uh, I don't know, bigger data collecting machine, I don't know what it is, the bigger MacGuffin that you have to defend gets beamed down, and that has a series of energy uh, batteries, basically, that you have to collect from around the level as you're defending it and bring them back and plug them in. Once you plug them all in, it turns on a, a beam that obliterates all the enemies and saves the day. Is, Always that. Is movement teleporting or are you free running? Free running. Huh. Free running. Uh, you can also fly if you're a flying character. You can also leap. Basically, you can teleport, but it's more like you're leaping. Like, if you know, if Spider-Man, you can leap up to a thing. Uh, you're not swinging on webs per se, but you're leaping up to a thing. Wolverine can leap to the top of a thing, leap down on somebody. Um, so, yeah, you're teleporting also, but mostly you're moving from place to place freely. Uh, which was great. I never got nauseated or anything. Mileage may vary there, of course. But um, it's a bit of a bummer that the mission structure is always the same. You're always defending the thing, waves of enemies. Then you have to fill the thing with its battery until it turns on. But playing as Spider-Man was wildly fun wildly fun so you're you're pressing you know with your middle finger uh, onto the onto the button kind of like spidey presses his web shooters you shoot webs you can shoot them as sort of projectiles that let's go pew 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 or you can hold it down encase somebody in webbing and then swing them around you can yank them and, and pull them into other people 
and create chaos and havoc that way. Uh, I found that to be very, very fun. And then you do that enough, it triggers like a super move. All the characters have a super move that like turns them into a super powered for a short period of time. Uh, Spider-Man's like you have electricity in your webbing for some reason. Uh, and then it's like instant kills for a short period of time. But just the sort of chaos of spinning a web, holding my hand out, spinning a web, encasing somebody in a web, and then yanking them to smack them into a wall or into another enemy. And it's sort of giving you bonuses in points as that's happening. Sort of like Robo Recall in that way, if anybody's played Robo Recall on Oculus, where to like something, you do something cool and it goes, you did something cool. We give it a name like Ricochet or whatever. So it's really fun. It's so fun. You know, yanking people around, surviving as long as possible, trying to protect these things. And then the bosses spawn. I fought Ultron. I fought Loki. I fought, um, I mean, there's anybody you would, all the people that you would want, you know, Thanos, Thanos is like a big unlocked level. You have to complete a bunch of stuff in order to unlock Thanos's level. But the, the fan service in this game is off the charts so much so that you, you know, you do all this stuff, you, you defeat the thing, you get a bunch of points. It ranks you one to four based on who got the most points in your team. You unlock upgrades and you get loot boxes. This game has loot boxes and the way it does it is very, very cool. You go back to the helicarrier. You have a room that's the trophy room that looks super cool. It has a little baby Groot in it that you can walk up that's sitting on a table and goes, I am Groot. And you push a button, you walk up to this giant loot box that you've earned, you push a button, it explodes open, and inside are new costumes that are all awesome, that are all authentic. You know, I unlocked the black symbiote costume for Spider-Man. I unlocked the uh, Ultimates version of Thor. Super cool. Super fan service. And you also, I'm not really sure how, but you get other unlockables. You get a bone for Lockjaw. And if you feed Lockjaw a bone, you get a special Lockjaw loot box that opens up that has different stuff in it. Awesome. And that, to me, as a Marvel zombie from way back, is reason enough to spend money on this game. It it is such good fan service. Looking down and seeing the awesome costume, doing the fun thing. I played as Thor. I mean, I played as many of the characters. And, And that's one of the biggest criticisms I have is that the characters are very uneven. Some are very fun. Some not fun. Wolverine should be fun. Not fun. It's very fun to look at your hands and see snicked the, you know, Wolverine claws pop out. That's very fun. Playing as him, not so fun. But playing as Thor, for example, who swings his hammer around and around and around. And you have this like, you know, super fast swinging hammer at the end of your hand. And then you raise your hand over your head and swing it down and you smack the ground and create a fissure that opens up attacking bad guys. Really cool. Really cool. Uh, so the characters aren't even, they're all very thematic and, and uh, you know, their powers are authentic. What you would think you would need to do to do them. You actually have to do, which is pretty cool, but there's so many characters and some are cool and some are not. Um, but like, I can tell you that Thor has uh, long fingernails. <laughs> I never knew that, <laughs> but because I could like raise my hand up and look at my fingernails, I can tell you Thor really needs to cut his fingernails. <laughs> so 
that level of detail, that level of uh, fan service, that level of being inside the character is so much fun and so uh, so cool in and of itself. Like if this was just a generic game that had this play style, I would think it was not great. And it kind of isn't great. Like it, it is the same thing over and over and over again. But it's the over and over again gets me cool costumes for Marvel heroes and I'm into it. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm really liking it. I can't tell still. Uh, <laughs> it started off as like classic. Uh, I feel like Jeff, we've, we've rode this roller coaster before. You're like really cool, a little disappointed yes. and then really cool. I was again. waiting for the butt. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then I feel like the last butt came at the very end where you're like, if this was a game without the Marvel costuming, um, six out of 10, whatever, you know, and then, but, but the Marvel yeah. costuming puts it over the edge for you, which I totally get. Um, you know, I, I totally understand that stuff. It's, it's neat to like the things you like and see them in a new way. Um, I'm curious, Jeff, what would be the better experience in your eye? A, um, museum? where you, you dress up as a Marvel character and walk around mm. and look at all the cool costumes or this game? Well, this gives you both. <laughs> I mean, it really does. You're, sure. you're in the museum too. You know, it gives you the museum thing. Um, and when you, you know, you start a match, it shows you the character like life size in front of you that you picked in a cool pose. And the poses are unlockable too, just like Overwatch's pose are unlockable. So it's life-size, it's 3D, it's in front of you. It looks You're looking at the character in the costume you chose for it that you're going to wear. So you kind of are in the Wax Museum also. And the game is fun. I mean, a bad guy appears, shoots a rocket at the thing I'm defending. I reach up with my hand as the Hulk and grab the rocket out of the air and throw it back at him. Yeah, that's pretty rad. That's fun. Yeah, that's pretty rad. That's fun. <clears throat> Um, I predict the next time you play this game will be at, when you come home after having watched Avengers <laughs> four or whatever. I yeah. can't, it doesn't sound like a thing that you're actually going to be playing. I don't it's know. Like, man. I'm glad that you have that experience. It's not right? like beat saber where I'm like, I want to play this every day. You know, it, it really, I wish there was a game I talked about a while ago on the show called Sirento VR, mm. which I don't know if anybody remembers me talking about, but is really good. And it's a, uh, it's the game where I said, oh my God, they can make um, Titanfall in VR. Like they made Titanfall, the, the kinetic nature of Titanfall, they made it in VR. And Sirento is so ridiculously fun as a, just a kinetic uh, action, first person action game where I'm leaping off walls, double jumping, sliding, um, popping into slow-mo slicing people up with uh, katanas and then shooting them with guns in the air as I'm flying over them. The, the pure mechanics of that game are absolutely thrilling and beautiful. And if that had been the way this game played, if that had married that, that gameplay style with the visual flair and, you know, theming of this game, it would be perfect. I would, I would be in hog heaven. It's just not that great. Like the enemies in this game are not smart. They, the things you do are pretty repetitive. Uh, the powers are fun, but there's always like a couple of powers that each hero has that are just kind of too hard to pull off for how much 
reward you get. So you kind of end up doing the same two or three things over and over because they're super useful. Um, but like I said, there are moments of just pure wish fulfillment ecstasy and then unlocking new costumes and living through that Marvel lore and story. And the environments are amazing. Oh, the, the environment, the first environment that I did after the New York prequel thing, uh, prelude thing was the place that Dr. Strange goes. I can't remember what it's called. That is like crazy and abstract and colorful in the movie. Dr. Strange. Yeah. The quantum zone. No, or the quantum zone's for Ant Man. Ant Man. Uh, but anyway, it is something like that. It's like yeah. the. It's not the metaverse. Maybe it is the metaverse. Anyway, mm. but it's like gorgeous, and you fight in Asgard, and you fight um, in the Inhumans' home world, and you fight um, New York City. You fight, I mean, there's there's like tons of different area places to fight, and they're all cool looking. And I don't know. So, and it's like forty. If you're bucks, into Marvel right? stuff, it's. It's forty bucks. That's not. I mean, I guess that make it's not a air quote full mm. price release. It it does what it does well. It seems like they spent a lot of time on the set dressing and making you feel like that character. Um, yeah, and I think as long as you know what it is, I going into it, it's a wave shooter, and those can certainly be fun. It seems like there's a lot of fun to be had. If you had to recommend like top three characters that you've played with, who would you? If people are picking this up, like what are the three characters you think that they should for sure try? Uh, well, I would say, I would say Thor, Spider-Man and Iceman. Actually, Iceman's really fun too. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, play, play with all of them. Just like, like I said, just the experience of looking at your hand and making the, uh, claws come out, pop out as Wolverine. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and like I said, the visuals are worth it they're great so that's marvel heroes united in vr on oculus all right guys uh we've talked about a lot of stuff uh let me talk about one more of our sponsors linode uh, linode is a hosting company offering high performance linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs Linode has it all lightning quick servers in the cloud a super fast 200 gbps network in all data centers, automated backups, node balancers, managed services, native SSD storage, Intel E5 processors, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9 uptime, oh my gosh, 24-7 support experts, all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And now Linode offers two gigabytes of RAM for only $10 a month. Over 400,000 customers trust the Linode platform, including... 5x5. 5x5's infrastructure is happily hosted on Linode. And getting started is easy. Just pick a plan, choose your favorite Linux distro, and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. Linode has a huge announcement. They are now offering one gigabyte for $5. High memory plans that start at 16 gigabytes for $60 a month, and an upgraded storage from 24 gigabytes to 30 gigabytes on your two gigabyte for $10 plan. So to support this and for a $20 Linode credit on a new account, visit promo.linode.com slash DLC. That's promo, P-R-O-M-O dot Linode, L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash DLC. Simple, powerful, reliable, Linode.com. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. 
But Dan Trachtenberg, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Before before I go, yes, I had a question for you guys. Oh, please, that I think I think listeners um, would be interested in hearing your answers to. I've been playing a poop ton of my Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not playing WoW, I'm playing my Switch. Summer Switch, baby. Summer Switch. Playing mostly roguelikes, um, top down games. Uh, the, whoever you had on. Last week, I think, spoke to how frustrating third-person action controls can be, and I totally agree with that on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm anxious. I'm thinking a lot about getting either Octopath Traveler or Night Chaser Battle War mm. um, for that kind of game, which Battle I Chaser I'm, I'm War, sure. actually, but yes, right. Oh, what did I say? Same. Battle Night Chaser War, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's funny because every time I Google it, I'm always wrong. Um, (laughs) yeah, it's a great title. (laughs) No, not not at all. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I want to have that kind of experience. I'm mostly in it for the combat. I don't think I'll be that interested in the, um, story. I anticipate not being, not playing it to, I won't, I don't want to read a lot. Um, though I know that will sort of come with the terrain anyway. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I know Christian has talked about Octopath, and you were talking about Battle Chaser, Night Battle Chaser. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Convince me. Which one should I buy? Well, I think Christian and I might be on opposite sides of this, basically because we have played more of one and not the other. Um, I definitely love Battle Chaser's Night War. And I love it because of its turn-based combat system. But I have heard the Octopath turn-based combat system is excellent as well. Um, but Battle Chasers is very comic booky looking. Uh, it's there's some reading, I guess, but you can skip over most of it. it. For me, it is a wonderful loot grindy kind of game where you get cool stuff, you get more powerful, you take on bigger, badder stuff. But the 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 central turn-based combat is like classic awesome power people up think about how you're going to do things think about who's going to fight when you have this cool resource that you accumulate as you fight and then you spend it in really smart ways big bright bombastic looking uh, imagery uh giant characters on the screen that are doing cool stuff octopath tiny little characters but cool looking beautiful (laughs) Uh, i think they're both you know, they're both supposedly very good. I, like I said, I haven't played a bunch of Octopath, but Christian, maybe you want to give your take on why Octopath might be the choice. Octopath, because nothing looks like it. Uh, when you go into battle, yeah, the character, look great. it yeah, looks sorry. incredible. And each little yeah. kind of area of the map seems to wow and impress from like snow to forest, like the regions you'd expect to kind of hit. And when you go into battle, the characters are not small. Like your character's are always kind of kid sized, but I mean, you're going up against, if your character's five feet tall, like 20 foot knights, you know, carrying shields. And, um, when you start having all four of your characters or four people in your party, uh, you know, trading off the battles. And once you learn the weaknesses of characters and kind of how you want to stagger their release and kind of that, again, that classic turn-based combat, um, the knit against Octopath that I've kind of just started to kind of bump against it at, at, 
times is it is it appears to me from what I've read very grindy. And so if you like that, great. If if the fact that like you're not pushing the story forward and you're, you know, you you added a new member to your party that you want to use later, you have to play as that person to get them up to the level that you want. So depending on how you kind of collect your octuplets, mm. uh, you know, or whatever, if you find a character you really like who has strengths that counteract uh, that exploit weaknesses of some of these characters the villains you're seeing you need to take that character and go run in the woods for an hour <laughs> you know and like and get them up to level with all of your other characters that you've been playing with from the start but visually i think especially dan for someone who's you know enjoyed games you know as a gamer of a certain age um octopath does so much right in terms of blending that old school super nest 16-bit look with uh beautiful tilt shift unreal four abilities of um uh what's the word i'm looking for i know what you're saying i I know what you're saying but here's the thing i don't in turn-based games i don't enjoy when the combat is like okay it's my turn and i'll do the thing that i have to do this turn and then wait and then now i'm doing the only thing that i can do is what i'm doing like i want to be forced to make really interesting choices and be, and do it creatively in a way that not everyone else who's playing the game is going to be making the exact same yes so depending on your party like each enemy okay. and i forget how many different weaknesses enemies can have maybe let's say six i'm making it up i don't remember um you don't know what their weakness is until you hit them with something so you'll come across new enemies and as the game progresses at least where i am you're still constantly encountering new enemy types so you come up to them and there's six question marks so you don't know what to hit them with first so you'll hit them with you know a light magic spell and that will be one of one of the enemy's weaknesses that you're fighting so you're like okay i I know i can use that but now the next person in your party in your queue doesn't have that uh or it does have it but do you want to see if there's something else because the next person in your queue doesn't have that or do you use the next person's to buff what you're going to do uh and take one guy's shield one in focus on one enemy to break their shield but knowing the next enemy is going to attack you and depending on how you roll your party the encounter you have against an enemy will be very different than mine where if i'm rolling um a party that only has one that could only attack one of the enemy's weaknesses i'm kind of waiting for that over and over and over again but if your party has different attacks you might roll up on an enemy that i had to go grind for an hour to level up to take down that you walk up to and all four members of your party hit one of their weaknesses and it might be the easiest battle in the game for you so there's really cool elements of that kind of you know variation of like a rock paper scissor approach and then when you encounter the same enemy a second time the unlocks the the weaknesses are still unlocked so you know what it is but when you go into new areas and and get new party members and explore further you're bumping up against new enemies and harder enemies and you can go into those areas i think whenever you want but it will tell you it's like hey uh i'd recommend being power level 15 and i was like yeah i don't think so i want to add this character to my party i did not make it to that character (laughs) Uh, i got owned Mm. pretty hard in that cave um but that aspect of the game, I think, is what makes it unique in terms of how I encounter enemies based on my essentially loadout, right, of characters will be different than than how yours is. Hmm. Jeff, do you have a rebut to well, that? Well, I got bad news. If 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 uh, what you do not want to encounter is the needing needing to grind, uh, Battle Chasers Night War is not going to help you out either. Uh, it, there's definitely a grind there, and uh, you will encounter enemies that are like, oh, I'm I just need to go back and fight a bunch of low level guys in order to get ready for these guys. It, it, they're both the sort of old school JRPG style in that way, where f- I don't know why that's 
part of the trope, but it is uh, that you have to kind of keep grinding in order to get your party higher. Um, But in terms of combat, are you making decisions? Yeah, I mean, there are only, at least to start, early in the game, you get more and more abilities as you level up. But to start, you have relatively few abilities for each character. So there, But I think there's really cool decisions because what's happening is you... In Battle Chasers Night War, you're you have this, I think it's called overcharge. You get this overcharge thing when you you know certain attacks generate overcharge, which you can then spend, and it doesn't carry over into the next fight. So there's no reason not to spend it. And the coolest stuff mm. you can do uses the overcharge. So you're doing things to set up other things, and the composition of your party, you can only have three members in your party at once. And uh, the composition of your party as you add new members really shakes things up and changes things. I I found the combat mm. to be very compelling and addictive, and um, that's Is what that you want in a game like this because you don't you're doing it so yeah. much and over and over and over. You want that little yes puzzle to be fun. Yeah. Yes, totally. Is Battle Chasers yes. on Switch? It is, dude. I have it on it Switch. It is? Oh, yeah. damn. for some reason, I didn't yeah. think it was. Okay, you I thought you were going to checkmate no, us, but no. I thought that was checkmate. The ultimate grind is a toilet grind. Everybody yeah. knows that. Yeah. No, that, that, that's why I was asking is because, because yeah, I'm, I'm ready for that kind of game, I think, on, on my Switch. And I don't know which one to – and I know Battle Chasers is cheaper, but – it's um, I like it a lot, man. I, I, I really yeah. loved it. And it's, it's great on Switch, okay. too. It's gorgeous. It's, yeah. I mean, they're both very good-looking games, too. Yeah. Okay. So All we right. helped you zero, I Thank think. You. I don't know. When we... oh, how, no, how about we'll how about I just say Dead Cells? Or when can I? Uh, I'll play <laughs> that next week. I know. I get that. And trust me, I'm playing. <laughs> also, let me. Rec- I don't know if you guys ever played Titan Quest. Yes, um, I think I'm gonna. Yes, I. Yeah, next dude, week. that game is so. Yeah. I think we talked about that on TRS. I think that's how old that game is. I don't think so. I never played it. I played it on PC like a year ago. I, ne- I didn't play it during TRS. I mean, I don't think I, I or maybe I was supposed to. I don't know. <laughs> Titan Quest <laughs> came out in June 20, June 26, 2006. Oh, that's like right when we started, bro. So that's, that's like literally that's three BC avatar. I think is how you look at that. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Um, so, but yeah, because I think the most fun I have, like I'm playing Wizards of Legend right now on Switch, is which is a ton of fun. I'm loving the Diablo-like experience yeah. um, on Switch, and there isn't much. Like, I'm Cat's Quest, I loved. You know, it's like I'm taking it where I can get right. it. So I think that um, yeah, Titan Quest is is like old school Diablo too. Totally, yeah. I think we fun on Switch. Anyway, um, cool guys. All right, Dan. Uh, tell people where they can follow your stuff online. Uh, I'm at Danny TRS on Twitter because and, we thought, um, Hey, this Twitter thing is not going to last that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, cause you're, you're still Jeff TRS, right? <laughs> no, I was Jeff. I'm Jeff Kanata. Oh no, you changed. No, I didn't. Where you I was, Jeff? I was Jeff Kanata. I, you was, I, I Jeff didn't have Kanata? the cool was, key to, to, to start it off. You know, you, <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, but, uh, I'm still TRS Jeff yes. on uh, steam though. That's that's yeah. what I'm that's what I'm thinking of. Um, so yeah, so Twitter uh, is that's my thing, and um, Ten Cloverfield Lane I believe is on Amazon streaming, um, and uh, Black Mirror Playtest is on Netflix, and the boys will be on Amazon like in a while. Dude, that Ali Moss yeah. version of of the map of for Ten Cloverfield Lane is awesome. Mm-hmm. 
not Ali Moss. Um, it's a guy named Ali Gibbs. Oh, one of them is the same. Oh, all the Ali's are the same, right? But I agree, man. So, so rad. He, he literally just did that from watching, um, the movie a bunch. Cool. And it's, it's dead on. I mean, it's, it's super dead on. I probably yeah. just saw Ali and filled in the rest of my brain. Yeah. 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 Uh, Christian, how about you? You are, what, what do you got going on this week? Um, uh, I'm at Spicer on Twitter and Instagram, Christian underscore Spicer. Uh, and then we can review. I don't have this current one up, but I have a playlist for them on, uh, my website, christianspicer.com. Also, you can download the network app, which I guess is, uh, what do we, soft launch. Can we say soft launch? Soft launch. Soft launch. Soft launch. Soft launch. And, uh, I'm really proud of that show. This week's, the most recent one is about betas and demos. Jeff kills it. Watch it. Uh, and we love your feedback on it. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think that's good. I want to stop talking and save my internet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, at Jeff Kanata with two N's and one T and uh, the Slash Filmcast. We can hear us talk about movies and TV shows over at SlashFilmcast.com. We're doing uh, Fallout, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout this week. So it should be a really fun episode. I think Dave Chen has already seen that movie three times before our review. So here we go. That should be fun. And yeah, we can review. Hope you check it out. It's a it's a fun little video version of not even it's not a video version of this. It's a it's a completely different thing, um, and I think you'll like it. Check it out. Uh, ChristianSpicer.com is where uh, you can get a link to all of the past ones. We're doing parting gifts. Time for a parting gift. Danny, do you have a parting gift to get people through their week? I could. Yeah. You know, on all three of my productions that I've, that I've been on so far, I've tried to reintroduce a childhood treat. Um, and usually people are either reminded of having said treat and, and loving the nostalgia, or they are introduced to it and in love with it. And that treat is a fluffer nutter sandwich. Fluffer nutter sandwich. And, if it has been a long time, have you? Did you grow up with them? Not, I think it's an East Coast thing. No, I think it's it is also a Texas thing. thing. It's also a Texas ah, thing. They are Christian. delicious, my homie. So yeah, it's probably been a long time, right? When's the last time you had a fluffernutter, Christian? Uh, I mean, not too. I have two young kids, so not that long ago because ah. I like to spoil my children. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say, though. Is uh, so Jeff for for Jack when he's a little bit older? But it's like, yeah, if you have kids, um, it's a, it's a peanut butter and marshmallow fluff. Sandwich fluff is definitely East Coast, but I, it, like out here on the West Coast, it's called like Jet Puff Marshmallow Cream or something. I've never had one um, of these ever. It's you need to use white bread, preferably Wonder Bread. Um, the, the bread if you get like a grainy bread or a weird bread, it could totally it needs to be like a soft bread. Um, probably not too much on like peanut butter and jelly. Um, and not but, be uh, diabetic in any form. Or <laughs> these are yeah, not healthy. You'll end up that way. It is delicious, but it's peanut butter. It's good That's protein. Right. Um, so, so have yourself a fluffernutter. My wife hates marshmallows, so I, I, I well, sharing that with her. Yeah. I, I love them. Fluffernutter said, "What a great parting gift! For, perfect for the summer." Christian, what about you? Got a parting gift? Uh, being in beautiful Jackson, Wyoming, um, come here, visit the outdoors, experience some of the wonder that, uh, wherever you are or wherever you can get to has to offer. I listened to a a fantastic 99% invisible about how you legally the fight to just be able to tramp across the 
English countryside and, and Rome, wherever you want, that kind of idea of just getting out and hiking and exploring, I would recommend do it whenever you can and hopefully not when you're trying to record a podcast over the internet with people. But otherwise, <laughs> get outside, go go fly fishing. If you have kids, throw them in a creek, let them swim around and be dangerous and get dirty because it's uh, it's what memories are made from. Very cool. Um I have a uh, another podcast for you listening. Clearly, if you're listening to this, you like podcasts. I have a podcast uh, that I've just discovered. I, I'm curious, Christian, if you've heard of this, because I think you would love it if you haven't. It's called The Good Ones. Have you heard of The Good Ones? I have not. I've heard of The Good Wife and The Good Doctor. Uh, good Ones is a, <laughs> a podcast that actually that uh, Dave Chen from the Slash Filmcast turned me on to. And it is comedians talking about famous bits that they've done and how they wrote those bits the process it's like oh, that's a cool good joke a great joke it's actually very similar to the show you used to do years ago when i first met you um uh, but this is like a bit that they haven't done in years but it's one that they're really known for and they will kind of dissect the process the evolution of how that bit was was created how when they first did it on stage what they did until like when it inevitably got put on their you know, their stand-up special or whatever and how it how it progressed and why they thought of it and how they thought of it and what they did. It is great. Good ones. Um, they have, you know, really top shelf uh, comedians that, that everybody's heard heard of. I listened to the John Mulaney episode, which is great. Um, it, it is uh, it's a great podcast, really fun. So check that out. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Dan Trachtenberg and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all of our folks in the chat rooms for uh, hanging out with us in real time and making the show better. We appreciate you guys being here and gals. And uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those cool bumpers. Thanks to all of you for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.